You're listening to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, welcome to the 100th episode of the Husker Cuzcast. Justin here, along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We have a great episode in store tonight. Aaron Sorensen of Hale Varsity will stop by to discuss all things football. We're super excited for that interview. We'll also visit with a couple of guys who are no strangers to the show. Our cousin Patrick from our first year of the podcast and HuskerHype.com himself, John Swedland, will join us. So, 100 episodes, guys. This is pretty exciting, right? Absolutely. Who would have ever thunk it? (laughs) It's awesome to be here, guys. This is amazing. Hey, Derek, I got to ask you, when we started this podcast in August of 2016, did you think that we would ever get to 100 episodes? I was hoping we would. I don't know if I really (laughs) thought we would, but I'm definitely hoping we would. You know, I love doing it. I, I, I love it as much today as I did in August of 2016. We've been through a average season or average to good season and through a down season and through a coaching change and lots happened since then. And I'm, I, I'm probably more excited now than I've been in at least three years. Super exciting. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I'm really excited too. Our volleyball team looks really good this year, guys. So this is going to be a great year for Husker athletics. Uh, Go John Cook. <laughs> no, I, it, 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 on the real though, this, this is one of the highlights of my week, be able to do this. I hope everyone enjoys listening to it because we sure have fun doing this. So, yeah, you know, I mean, as cousins, you know, uh, we're going to be talking Husker football anyway. That's the only thing we ever talk about as family. So, you know, this podcast is just bonus, I guess. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, today wrapped up the Huskers 10th fall practice, the defensive coaches and players. They spoke after practice. Uh, do you feel like we learned anything more about this team today, Tyler? No, not really. I mean, today you heard a lot of different names about the scrimmage they had. Um, and, and, and all at the end of the day, all I know is there's a lot of competition still up line. Um, you know, but I will say is last week we did get a little bit of news with Trey Bryant being deemed healthy. Uh, he looks like he should be full action this year. And with the Maurice Washington hype train, which we'll definitely talk to Aaron about in a bit, like our running back position group looks as solid as ever. Um, I love what we're hearing about the defensive coaches. It seems like the players are coming along, but it just seems like a lot of praise for everyone right now, guys. Yeah, it's kind of a like a change from the spring where they were kind of like uh, – you know, uh, they were p- more critical of players in the spring than I think what they are now. And if you're trying to learn a lot from a position group, you're not going to get it because basically, you know, uh, they're they're three deep of guys doing fantastic. So they're 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 kind of uh, turning it on like the the buttering buttering up. Derek, what do you think? Well, let me ask you guys this. So I agree with you guys. We're not really learning much, and they seem to be name-dropping about every player that's on the team just about, except for maybe a few of the people that aren't on 110, I guess. But but now you have even Trey Neal that's coming out and saying how, how great this team is and how talented this team is, and he can't understand how this team went 4-8 and eight with this much talent on this team. And he would like he's curious to know what was going on last year, and he was even kind of taking stabs at the previous staff and to an extent. 
So maybe some of this is true. If a guy that's only been here for two weeks is noticing the same thing that coaches are saying, or maybe they're just coaching him up to say the same things they are. I don't know. He is, he is their creation. <laughs> so he's, isn't all that coach speak, but no, I mean, you know, there's truth to what he was saying there, you know, with the, obviously there's gotta be a lot more talent here than what he had at UCF, right? They were just coached better, obviously at UCF. So that's not a huge shock, I guess. It is very interesting, though. Well, and I will also say this. What do you expect a guy to say? You expect, yeah, you know what? I walked in this locker room, and gosh, they sure are a 4-8 team. I'll tell you what. This is terrible. <laughs> That's like, true. I mean, it's the same thing with the coaches. The coaches are doing what coaches do. They are praising the team at this point in the year because they are getting ready for competition. Um, I like to believe right now that they are not just, you know, just pulling a wool over our eyes and getting our hopes up. But I, I do think this team is coming along because there is talent. And we've done numerous podcasts over the last six months talking about how this team is more talented than they played last year. So I think the right coaches are going to get them a lot more competitive. But I, I'm not reading anything in what the coaches or Trey Neal are saying about this team. Derek? I, I'm, I guess I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I'm buying most of what they're saying. Uh, you know, last year I think uh, we did the same thing, but there was a lot more media availability. I think the media was probably building up the hype more than the coaches were, especially with, like, Tanner Lee. Like, we heard about what a great quarterback this Tanner Lee was going to be, and look what he turned out to be. And and, and the media was available. So I, I guess for me, I, I believe the coaches more. I want to believe the media at this point, I guess. I don't know. I think it was fascinating today that the coaches basically said that they they have an idea on what that one and two deep is going to look like, you know, but and they're just moving people around. But, you know, they, they have a good idea. So hopefully a depth chart comes out sooner than later, you know, more talking points for us, I guess. But enough about that. Let's get ready for our very first guest of the evening. We are joined by Aaron Sorensen of Hale Varsity. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on the 100th episode of the Husker Cuscast. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me, and congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah. now, so now that fall camp has started, I can imagine you're super busy, but in a good way, right? Yeah, it's well, fall camp's always sort of a weird time because the schedule is not really yet normal what it will be during the season. So it's a little bit of... You know, obviously, it's way tougher for the players. They're there all day, you know, all all morning, all afternoon, all night. But it's definitely as like a media member, like I thought we had practice availability on Monday, but they had no practice. Yes. You know, on Monday and had practice on Tuesday. So anyway, my whole schedule is off as well. So it's just like I don't know what day it is or yeah. what I'm doing at this point. I just know to show up. And I just try to make sure I'm there. <laughs> well, that's good enough there. So you've been, you've been around the Husker program for several years now. And uh, yes. so what are some of the differences that you see in this 2018 team compared to years past, like in regards to the demeanor and approach to this upcoming season? Yeah, you know, and I, I think what's important, and I've seen this quite a bit in this team where they don't want to bash any former staffs or because for a lot of these, a lot of these players, they liked the former staffs too. Like they understand why it changed. They, they love what it is now. So I think it's always one of those things where I think for Husker fans to remember when they hear some of these, you know, it's so different than in the past. It's not a knock on anything that's been done before. It's just 
different. And I mean, even just talking to freedom, you know, he was, he, he brought up the Jason Peter Grant Wistrom speech and it just, for him, he saw, he said that he has not seen a practice following that speech that has been as intense and have as many guys with their eyes just sort of wide open, really embracing everything. And I think what is different this year is how Frost is really rallying the troops, whether it's Tom Osborne at practice, former players coming to talk to the current players. He's doing everything he can to really just surround these guys with as much history and knowledge of the program as much love and appreciation uh, really show them what Nebraska football has been and should be again and I think that's really what the biggest difference is and that's where a lot of that excitement is coming from because this is really truly a family affair it's yeah. everyone under the sun that's willing to come back I mean under Riley staff yeah you had John Perella you had other you know you had um, graduate assistants with Pelini and different, you know, you've always had different faces from the program in the past, but this is really, and I mean it, this is quite the, this is very much a family affair. They're bringing anyone and everyone who's willing to, you know, do what they can to help this team. And I think that's, what's making a difference. So they're really excited. And I believe it when they say that they are, I think there's just a new life really being like sort of, brought back to this team and it's fun to cover it's fun to be around so i want to talk about practice for a second uh scott frost he stated numerous times that uh you know he doesn't like players standing around in practice he needs he wants everybody to get their reps in and practice so how is it working out this year how are guys getting their reps in practice yes they i mean there's just really no time off i mean I, having watched former practices under Riley and under Pelini, and I even saw practices under Callahan. So having seen how other coaches do things for Frost, when he talks about we move fast, he's not lying. Practice is fast. Uh, drills are fast. Everything they do is there's just no time to stand around. And so when you're done with one drill and you're on to the next thing, or you are moving from X, you know, from X to Y to Z does not matter. They're all moving quickly. And even when they were doing the Oklahoma drill at the practice, we were able to watch a portion of even the guys standing there were still very engaged in what was happening. And so Frost just doesn't want to see anyone, whether that's the kickers and the, you know, even of the kickers, he does not want to see anyone just kind of standing around doing nothing. So we know stretching is harder we know everything is faster. We could even see them today running sprints right after practice ended. So there's really no downtime. Once once the clock gets started at practice, he there's there's no rest at that point. You are you are on until practice ends, and even then, some of those guys hang around for quite a bit after. So it's they're moving and they're moving a lot. Leadership has been a concern of this coaching staff as well. They've said it numerous times. Uh, they don't feel that the leadership has been developed very well. Who do you see becoming leaders of the team? Uh, maybe th is there somebody out there that you wouldn't have thought would have been a leader that's making a name? Uh, you know, I, I think you'd have the standard, um, the standard people like Stanley Morgan and Mick Stoltenberg. 
even Gerald Foster, there's a reason they went to Big Ten Media Days. They are definitely your face in the sense of this program right now. But you're seeing some of these younger players, even aside from the quarterbacks, like obviously we've heard Adrian Martinez and Tristan Jebbia are really stepping into leadership roles. But even outside of them, just hearing some of the new faces that have come in, knowing how uh, Greg Bell's been making an instant impact, Trey Neal's been making a quick impact. It's just some of these younger, not even younger because some of them aren't younger, but just some of the new faces on the team that are really making a case for themselves. So I know sort of what we're hearing from the staff is they want more. They want to know that these guys are going to be vocal leaders, both off the field, uh, you know, in the huddle, in all situations across what they're doing. In the classroom, that was another one because actually I know – one of the people that a lot of people have kind of thought about is Antonio Reed. And for them, a big one is making him a leader in the classroom. So they're definitely looking at leaders beyond just what they're doing on the field, but what they're doing everywhere else in their life. And so I think you're kind of seeing guys step up into roles because of that. But I say that with no disrespect to Stanley Morgan, Mick Stoltenberg, uh, Luke Gifford, those that senior class is something special as far as how they're really embraced what has happened and for some of them this is their third coaching staff yeah. in five years so i think you're seeing um the senior guys step up but i think we're going to have some fun watching the uh, new faces kind of find their roles as leaders as well excellent okay last year there was a ton of talk about this being the first real quarterback battle we've had in nebraska since taylor martinez took the reins this freshman year now, this year, I'm kind of reading uh, maybe it wasn't quite the quarterback battle we thought it was. Maybe it was a little overhyped and that maybe Patrick O'Brien really wasn't pushing Tanner Lee for the starting job as much as we thought. And I realize the media availability hasn't, has been pretty scarce with this new staff. And they're keeping this position battle pretty hush-hush and close to their vest. But is this a true quarterback battle this year? Or does one quarterback have a better edge on the rest? I sincerely believe it's a true quarterback battle. And I say that having sat down with Coach Verdusco. So after the spring game, we sat down and went over film. And he broke down across the board who was doing what well, who needed who needed things to improve. I mean, he completely changed my perception of how he is evaluating these quarterbacks. And so sometimes for us is like, us armchair coaches were like watching, we're like, oh, Adrian Martinez is the perfect package. Uh, as far as, you know, you think like, oh, you can play him and then you could still redshirt him. You've got all these things with him now that like make it very like, it seems like he is the guy because, you know, especially now with the change of the redshirt rule, it's sort of like, well, why not? But you have Verdusco who is saying, on Sports Nightly, that Tristan Jebbia is not only a passer, he actually can run. He's actually elusive, is the word he used about him. And so that's not him just saying that to get people riled up. That's exactly what Verdusco said to me in the spring. Jebbia can run. He's not incapable of running. He just was recruited as this pro-style quarterback because that's what he was that's what they needed him for. Yes, is he a better passer? Of course, but he can run. So I think what you're seeing is a sincere quarterback competition, and this is not a bad thing. And 
The person who's really trying to rein this hype in, which I, I think is sort of funny, is Frost. He's the one who's like, they've all got to improve. They've all got to get better. Uh, they've got to be taking more reps, spending more time studying the playbook. Uh, so it's funny to have Frost sort of be the one that's like, let's rein this hype back in when his his assistants are the one that are like, they're great. They're all, you know, this is really tough. Um but yeah, I think Adrian Martinez sounds like a really, really special player. Um, I think Tristan Jebbia, it would be a mistake to write him off. And I think whoever ultimately ends up getting that starting job is going to ultimately split some reps with whoever is the like essential backup. I think they're both going to be very valuable in very you know certain situations. And hey, like we like I was saying with the red shirt thing. You can start Adrian Martinez, and after four games, if you decide he's not ready, you don't have to lose that year with him anymore. So you've got some more flexibility, and that's what kind of makes this competition a little bit different than I think any years past. Absolutely. We absolutely we just love this, this red shirt rule. I think it's awesome. Uh, it, kinda, it makes I, things really interesting. It does. It does. So I kind of noticed there wasn't much talk about Andrew Bunch. Is he honestly in this battle, or is this really <laughs> just between Jebby and Martinez? I mean, I'm pretty much between, I think it's between Jebbia and Martinez. Obviously, I wouldn't write Bunch off as an option that they might not use him in some situations. And to be perfectly honest, I would be fine with Andrew Bunch winning the job because the headlines, they write themselves. A uh, bunch of quarterbacks, <laughs> bunch of touchdowns. I mean, really from a editorial perspective, I'm all in on Andrew Bunch winning this starting job, but I think unfortunately it's probably between Jebbia and Martinez. We, we kind of think that as well. Uh, if you absolutely had to pick a, a, a starter today or for game one, who would you pick? And, and do you think he would start every game if he stays healthy? You know, I really sincerely had been saying up until the, the red shirt rule changed that it was Tristan Jebbia's job. I, you know, it was really his job to lose. Why, you know, why not redshirt a guy if you can't, you know, give him some time to grow in the system? But with the red shirt rule, there's really no reason that they can't just start Adrian Martinez in non-conference play and see how he does. And you even can get him into Big Ten play and see how he does before you have to make that decision. So if he starts and he does well and he stays healthy, I think he's your starter then. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we still don't see a good amount of Jebbia as well, because I think he, there's really, we know he has the stronger arm. We just know that he, Adrian is the better runner. Uh, Jebbia has the stronger arm. So I could see them using them in situ situational, um, you know, in certain situations based on what they need. But I, I've kind of slowly moved toward the other side because of the red shirt rule. If that red shirt rule didn't exist, I'd probably be saying it's Jebbia's job still. But that rule really changed my thinking on that whole thing. Interesting. Okay. So there's been quite a bit of chatter about the defensive back showing major signs of improvement this this spring practice. Uh, in fact, Coach Frost went as far as to say they have gotten the hands on their ball on the ball more in one practice than they did in five practices in the spring. With that being mm -hmm. said, are the quarterbacks making bad throws and decisions? And I understand that whoever starts is going to be throwing, like they're going to be taking their first division one snaps, but should this be a bigger concern mm -hmm. for the fans or are the de defensive backs just getting that much more aggressive and better? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I, I think you definitely have guys like, 
you know, you've got a guy like Trey Neal uh, joining in this secondary who's going to really shake things up. And I do think that you're seeing um, this secondary really start to evolve. I believe Shenander's defense is is better suited for these players. And and I mean that just it's easier, I think, to understand and not calling it an easy defense. But we do know in hindsight now, Diaco's defense was very confusing for a lot of these players. So I think things are getting a little bit better, but we also know that they're spending a ton of time on uh, turnovers. Not only are they spending time preventing turnovers on the offensive side of the ball, but they're spending a ton of time, you know, working on turnovers on the defensive side. So we've seen drills last, you know, at the very first open practice, we saw them working on drills where somebody bats the ball up into the air. And then that encourages them to try to then catch it. Um, and make, you know, essentially create that turnover by uh, tipping a ball, grabbing the ball, and so forth. And then you've also, on the other side, got the offense trying to prepare for that, where they have these footballs that have strings on them, and they're trying to get them knocked out so that they can, or they're trying to hold on to them while somebody tries to knock them out. So they're really, really, really focused on turnovers, preventing them, but also causing them. And I just think it's a little bit of both. I think some of it is, yes, I, I think it would be unfair of me to say, oh, the quarterbacks are perfect. They're not throwing any, any throwing any interceptions. But I also think the secondary is getting better. And I think we kind of saw that last year, that they just needed the right scenario to get better. And it seems like Shenander's defense is a better fit for them. And I think that's where we're seeing some of the success. Awesome. Okay, now. The quarterback battles dominated the headlines and the water cool discussions across the state, and we'll probably continue until we figure out who the starter is for sure. Uh, but there are other battles going on throughout the entire team, and Shenander made the comment today about uh, players getting reps with the ones, twos, and threes, whether they deserve it or not, just to kind of see what what they can do. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so what position group is has the tightest battle outside a quarterback? Yeah, I'm super interested in the running back position. I think that one's going to be just sort of wild to watch in the coming weeks. Um, Obviously, they added Greg Bell, who we've heard a ton of hype about him. The Maurice Washington hype train is officially on another level because of Scott Frost really talking about him up. Um, Trey Bryant is healthy. Divina Zigbo and Mikhail Wilbon will be looking for time. Uh, You've got Jalen Bradley, Miles Jones. I mean, this whole thing, Brian Held went from us ending the 2017 season going Ugh, the running back room is a little concerning to basically now, or is anyone going to decommit out of the 2019 class because they have so many running backs? Like not, I'm not saying anyone will, but that's sort of where we're at is it's just like, there's so many running backs and not just so many of them, but so many that could play that could really vie for starting time. So I'm very interested in that group, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see it because this group also really depends on an offensive line. Uh, I mean, we can't expect them all to be Amir Abdullah versus McNeese State being able to somehow run through people without having any protection. But it'll be interesting to see what these guys do with or without a strong offensive line. So, I'm really excited about the running back position. That's probably, for me, one of the bigger position battles of this fall camp. 
Bite your tongue with all that transfer talk, Aaron. <laughs> I know. So much transfer talk. There's so many transfers. There's, what, 51 new faces on this team between freshmen and transfers? Yeah. I right. mean, yeah. holy smokes. <laughs> you you definitely had to reintroduce yourself uh, to a lot of new players this year, didn't you? Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of actually the funny thing is because you, you always start into a new year year especially for those you get to know like the freshmen that arrive early in the spring but it does take some time because you're walking into a room and you don't have pre-established relationships maybe you know I've talked to some of these guys as they were getting recruited but like with someone like Will Honus I didn't talk to him when he was being recruited that was a like it's not like we would have talked to him you know a couple of years ago so when I interviewed him for the story I did about Last Chance You that was the very first time that I had gotten to talk to him one-on-one and it's just like, it's, you know, middle of August and we're, they're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to learn about them. So yeah, it's very different this year just because there are a lot of new faces. And I mean, there's some people that I saw on like the 110 chart. I'm like, who the heck is that? <laughs> and that's kind of fun. But now I'm like, but really, who is that? Can someone tell me <laughs> this walk on this? <laughs> Can someone point this person out? Like, there are some people where I'm like, if they took their helmet off, I would probably not know what they look like. And that's yeah. fine. But it's funny. I liked how Frost made that joke at, uh, at the uh, fall camp press conference to kick everything off when he was asked about, you know, how how do you rec- like remember all of these people? He's like, well, they do this fancy thing now where they put their names on the back of the jerseys. <laughs> and I'm like... I respect that if that's really what you have to do, because some of them it's like, who is that person? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, one guy I'm sure uh, Scott Frost can point out is Maurice Washington. Cause you hit on him a little bit ago. Uh, the hype train is probably, I mean, it, it's as big of for a running back as I've seen in geez, 10, 15 years. So um, he, there's a lot of hype with him coming here. So is there any way that he can live up to the hype this season? Oh, man, he worries me, not because I don't think he doesn't have the potential to be great. I think there's a reason everyone is so high on him. But that's a lot of pressure for a true freshman who is literally, you know, like got into the university, became eligible by like the skin of their teeth. Like he he's got a lot of things. And I've said this all along it's really important that football is football is, it was important, is important. It was important to get him to Nebraska, but we got to make sure that he's also successful in the classroom, successful off the football field. And I think that they know that as well. Um, but you just have to kind of balance that hype with he's a true freshman. And uh, again, the redshirt rule makes things easier in the sense that they can play him and kind of see how he adapts to the college game and then make a decision based on that. But and some of this uh, hype around him, I have no doubt he, I've, I mean, we know he's a fantastic player. I just want to make sure uh, he is, you know, it's just going to have to find that balance between not overhyping him because you don't want to set somebody up to fail, if that makes sense. Like you want to like, you want them to succeed. And I think that's where this staff will do a good job with that. They didn't work so hard to get him here to not let him succeed and not to make him uh, the best he can be. But yeah, when you hear Frost like saying he's making spectacular plays, he's opening people's eyes, you're just sort of like, wow, 
this is the most impressive court or running back Nebraska has ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's a lot to like about him. I just think it's going to have to kind of find that balance of making sure that he's also taking care of himself off the field. So he's not getting too built. Up. You don't want to build him up too high and then allow him to crash. So I think they're going to find a way to sort of balance that hype. And for right now, the Maurice Washington hype train is just like rolling down the tracks, but at some point they're going to have to kind of slow it down just a little bit. Well, and, and right here, I mean, I don't know where this guy's going to go, but I mean, I could see this kid being a Heisman winner. So I'm just going to add more fuel to the fire on the Heisman talk or the hype train right there. <laughs> but, uh, but what I will say is this, you know, I, I look at this from an outside perspective, never seen him practice. I say, here's a kid who barely got the campus. Um, you know, his last one there. He can't know the playbook. You know, the coaches have said he's come in a little undersized at about 170 pounds. I mean, I think there's a lot of Husker fans that see him being a guy that takes a bulk of the carries this fall. I don't mm-hmm. see that. I just don't see that. It, what do you think? I mean, if he ends up playing, what kind of share of the load do you think he will take? I would agree with you. I think uh, the person that I could see you know, I could see Trey Bryant being Trey Bryant and Greg Bell are two of the ones, as long as Trey stays healthy, that I think they could be like a predominant, they could be your like your predominant running backs for Nebraska. Um, I think Maurice Washington, if they, if he is able to play, like he, you know, is good with the playbook. Uh, I think he could find himself like a smaller niche within, I think maybe the best way to say it is sort of maybe what Jalen Bradley could have been last year if, um, you know, he hadn't have gotten injured, um, you know, kind of maybe finding a way to use him as, you know, as a freshman in certain scenarios. But I agree with you. I think it's a lot to expect him to like, just immediately be that guy because you, you said it, they know he's undersized. He's got to put on weight. He wasn't eating, the way he was supposed to before he got to Nebraska, he wasn't working out the way he was supposed to. There's just, there's a lot of things that have to be dealt with. And so I think he has a ton of potential to be a really, really special player for Nebraska, but it doesn't mean it has to happen this year. I think he can have those moments this year, but I think where he's going to really shine is once he maybe gets a season under his belt. I mean, you said special players and a couple of the special players that we have on this roster right now are Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman. I think all Husker Nation knows that. I think with the depth that these coaches have recruited and what the previous staff had for some uh, the last recruiting class, I think wide receiver has uh, emerged as probably our strongest position group. So outside of that, what would you say is the next strongest position group heading into the fall? Oh gosh. Yeah. See, I would have probably said wide receiver. (laughs) Um, that's the funny part. I'm trying to think like, I think you have a pretty strong group on the defensive line. I think the defensive line uh, has depth now, and I think you've got some strong players there. So I think it's not sometimes the sexiest position in that sense. Um, but I think there's a lot to like about the defensive line. I I'm really starting to like both the inside and outside linebacker positions. I think there's a lot to be excited about there as well. Um, I, I think there's reason to be excited about running back too. I think the, the, the struggle is, is some of these positions, I think what makes 
this, the wide receiver position so intriguing this year is because the idea is there's going to be a quarterback that can throw to them. What's difficult with the running back position is you kind of don't know what to expect until you know what you're up against with the offensive line. Um, you know, same thing with like the secondary. There's there's certain things on the defense that you can be excited about, but there's still so many question marks. So, you know, on the defense, I think your defensive line is pretty solid, and then on offense, yeah, your your wide receivers are your strongest and have probably the chance to put not only, I mean, Stanley's for sure. I think reaching a thousand yards this fall. The question is, does anyone join him? Wow. You heard it there first. Wow, that's Does a bold prediction. Him? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, I mean, Frost had great success with wide receivers at UCF, so like, I don't want to. I mean, board willing and the creek don't rise. Who knows <laughs> what that wide receiver group can do? Uh, but that also depends on the quarterback. So I should yeah. probably tone that down because we all thought Tanner Lee was like a Heisman winner last year. So. Who knows? <laughs> well, you know what? Jacksonville still likes him down there. So uh, kudos to Tanner for finding a future after Nebraska. But y- y- you hit on the secondary there. And, and you know, going into the fall, a position group that I thought was pretty, you know, set was safety. I, yes. I really like the potential of Aaron Williams and Antonio Reed. I, I like that duo. Um, Antonio Reed always was a guy to me that never really got his chance last year. Uh, not the way he should have, but now we have Deontay Williams coming there and we have Trey Neal joining the team. And I, I kind of feel like I have no idea who our starting safeties are going to be this <laughs> fall. So I guess wh- where do you see the safety position wrapping up? Gosh, I, I think you're right. I think that's sort of one of those things we're going to have to just keep watching. And I think these scrimmage, this, they did their first scrimmage on Sunday and we're going to have to kind of keep seeing. I, I know they said that They've kind of got their one, uh, their ones and twos sort of figured out, but they're still, you know, not. It's not all done. There's, cl- I think the word they use is there's clarity, but it's obviously still trying to figure some things out. I think what's interesting about Antonio Reed, speaking of hype from coaches, was just what Travis Fisher said about him recently, where he compared him to Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger who was a Heisman finalist. So, I mean, like, that's a huge, um, that's huge to be compared. I think he called him, like, one of the best players. I think he was one of the best ones in his group, which is, like, like you said, you know, he definitely probably was not utilized in the way that he should have been and probably was, could have been way could have been way better. Um, the thing, though, is, is I think this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about Maurice Washington is finding, you know, guys that are not only successful on the field, but also off the field, because I know Fisher was also really clear that it's like he can be the greatest player, but he's got to also figure out those small things of being a great teammate, going to class, um, making sure he's doing things right off the field. Um, so those are those things that they have to keep working on with him, because I think he has the potential to be a huge factor in that defense but it just kind of depends on him like is he going to put the work in not only on the field but off the field and I will say I really liked this quote from freedom when I was talking to him I was like what's your favorite part of fall camp so far and I I don't know what I was expecting him to say like that was one of those questions that as I was asking it I was like oh this is this feels like it could have been a really dumb question (laughs) but he he goes (laughs) 
yeah, you have those all the time as a reporter. You're just like, as it's coming out, you're like, you're like praying because you're like, this is probably potentially going to go really wrong. But he looked at me, he goes, you know what? I really like the competition. I really like what this, this staff is making. Every day we show up and we're competing. He was like, I love that environment. I just really love it. And I just was like looking at him. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever heard a player point blank look at me and go, I love the competition. So that's the cool thing about whether it's the safety position, outside linebacker, quarterback, it does not matter. This staff is really, really enforcing the idea of competition and respect within that competition. And these guys are really liking it. So as for who, how the safety position shakes out, I honestly don't know at this point. I'm in the same boat you are because I haven't seen enough of it to know. But I feel good about whoever ends up being your, you know, your starting safeties. It's going to be the right thing because we know that they're breeding competition in practice. And we know it because the players are saying they like it, which what a concept that players are saying that they love competition. That's the way it should be. Aaron, I feel like we could talk to you for hours, but uh, we're going to ask you one more question, then we'll let you go yeah. here. Uh, you were talking about your article with Will Honus and Last Chance You, uh, yes. which I absolutely love it. Now, I've been trying to convince the cousins right here to watch Last Chance You, and they will not do it. What would you oh. say to what would you say to convince them to give it a try? Okay, well, I mean it's very it's very drama filled. So like you just have to like prepare yourself for that. But I think if you're looking for a reason to watch this new season, watch it because of the fact that you're going to eventually get to episode 7 and in episode 7, you will have the best time geeking out over the fact that Will Honus is in that episode. Yeah. You can watch for him. And no, it's so fun though, because he's, he's on the quarterback nearly in every single play. Every time Butler's defense is on the field, he is right there. And I was like finding myself getting like excited and like, I don't cheer obviously like in the press box. So like, this was sort of like one of those times where like, you can kind of cheer for Will Honus. Cause you're like, this kid's now at Nebraska and I'm watching this game happen and so, if nothing else, watch for that. But I think the reason it's worth watching, knowing one Schnander uh, got hooked on it and likes it, but it's it just shows you what a lot of these kids have gone through. So when they get to a place like Nebraska, you you almost have a deeper appreciation for what they had to go through to get there because it is a it is not an easy life. Uh, Schnander's the one who says it's like going from being broke to being a millionaire, and you get that vibe watching it and so you find yourself just really rooting for these kids to make it and um the ones who don't end up making it you feel like really personally like affected by and it's a it's a cool show in that sense because you walk away with a different perspective of junior college life and you also will think the independence coach is insane you think <laughs> you will you will think the east mississippi coach buddy stevens is insane and then you will watch the independence season and you will think, well, that made that made Buddy not look that bad. He was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's a good show to watch. If you like football, you would like Last Chance You. Are you guys sold yet? She's selling me more than you ever did, so. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, the good thing is, is I don't need to watch Netflix for football because we are right around the corner for real football to come on. So maybe I'll check it out in the spring. Perfect. You can't, you can't complain about more football, though. Just more football. She makes a great point, guys. 
<laughs> there's never a, there's never too much football. That's true. <laughs> My fiance may disagree with that, but I I'm on board. So <laughs> perfect. Okay, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us yeah, tonight. Thank we you. appreciate it so much. It was great. Great yeah, stuff. Yeah, happy always. 100 episodes. Thank, thank you. you. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Right, bye. We now bring in Patrick and John. Welcome, guys, to the 100th episode. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, John. Thank you for bringing us back. Gentlemen, if, I, if you may indulge me, uh, hoist your goblets and uh, fill it with the finest mead. All right. A toast to w- the 100th voyage of the Husker Cuscast Sports Show. May she have 100 more Mazel Tov. Oh, I will drink to that. Thank you so much. Uh, Patrick, it's great to have you back on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's that dormant testosterone. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. Oh, we miss you, Patrick. (laughs) You didn't drink more bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, geez, I don't even know where to go from that one. Uh, let's, uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, we're going to do a kind of like a quasi round table here. We're going to talk about some, uh, personnel, uh, awards that we want to kind of hand out right now or announce plus, uh, some, you know, just, just good old spring or, uh, fall camp, get, uh, topics here. Uh, so hell, let's just get into it. All right. I want to start off with you, John. Who is your offensive newcomer of 2018? Okay, so by newcomer, do you mean freshman, or do you just mean someone who has not played before? Because I think there's a distinct difference between these two at this point. Someone new to the roster in this season. Yes. I'm going to go with Juco transfer Mike Williams. I think he is the, the best new addition at wide receiver. I think he has an awesome mix of size, speed, and hands. Um, and will fit in really well with this new offense. Tyler? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, another JUCO transfer, um, but I'm going to go a little bit different route on this. I'm going to go Greg Bell. Um, I, I, I think a running back room, there's a lot of talk about uh, Maurice Washington. Someone may name him shortly, but uh, I think Greg Bell is going to be the guy for the job this fall. Derek? I went with the freshman. Not the one that Tyler is mentioning, no. I went with Adrian Martinez, because I do still f- firmly believe he will be a starter. <laughs> wow. Uh, Patrick? Uh, Tyler, you read my mind. I went with the freshman that you were alluding to, Maurice Washington. I think once his name was added, it just amped up the expectations for the running back personnel. It amped up everything. It amped up our expectations. And just uh, from everything that's coming out in the camp, uh, I think this guy is going to have an it factor, and he might he might uh, turn out to be a real good good uh, factor in some games when uh, everything's on the line. He's got the agility, he's got the speed. I can't wait to see this guy out there. John, did you want to add something there? Yeah, I mean Washington is definitely someone who's going to make an impact this season, and I'll talk about him uh, on one of these other votes. But I, I was truly surprised. And he got eligible because he had to raise not only his GPA, but his, his testing scores as well. So credit to Scott Frost, the compliance team, the support teams on the academic side for getting him all the way through. 
Um, because as I understood it after the, uh, the, the all America under armor game, he had a long ways to go. And that's why a lot of schools weren't really giving him the time of day. So I'm impressed by what he's done off the field. Now, hopefully he can take that, that momentum that he already has in week one of fall camp and apply it to the season. And thanks to coach Osborne for the student life program, because that was a huge part of why he is on the roster right now. Yeah, I'm going to go in a different direction right here. I'm going to go with Javon McQuitty. I think that uh, in this offense, I think he's a guy that could really excel in, in this offense. I mean, he's, he's a big-bodied receiver, and I just I think he uh, fits, fits in well. You know, he was on the roster last year, Justin. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that quite Dude, Does that really count? Does that really count? <laughs> I, I, we clarified this at the start because I would have gone with someone else. Oh my god! I, you know, I, I hate your rules, Tyler. You're, I'm going to overrule you because I like. I mean, he wasn't. Come on, come on. He's, rules this is a Rules this is are the episode. We can do whatever we want on this episode. No, don't, no rule. John, who would you have trade changed your pick out for? Uh, don't, don't, don't hate the player. Hate the game. But I, I would have gone with Tristan Jebia. Uh, I think he's going to have a big impact this season um, and bring some uh, experience, at least early on in the season, to the quarterback position that that we haven't had in a while. So uh, he manages the game well. He's a student of the game. He's very accurate as a passer. And as he likes to think, he should have scored a touchdown in the spring game. So um, I, uh, I, think, I, think, I think it's a battle between Jebby and Martinez, but I think Jebby gets the nod here um, and starts it off. We can never agree on anything, can we, John? <laughs> the only thing we agree on, Derek, is that I'm on Team Derek. Team Derek. Oh. Jebby got major props uh, during the uh, scrimmage uh, about his ability, especially his open field running. So that that fills me with a lot of uh, confidence. I love it. All right, let's move on to the defensive newcomer position. Uh, Tyler, let's start with you this time. Yeah, I mean, there, there's actually a few guys I could have gone with on this selection. So, uh, But I'm going to go with Will Honus. I'm really, really liking how our middle backer is shaping up right now. Um, you know, I don't know if Will Honus is end up, is going to end up being a starter. I really don't. But this guy was a great Juco player. I think he comes in. He's going to fit a need, uh, give us some depth in that middle linebacker. I am really excited to see what he's going to do this fall. Um, yeah, I think Will Honus is going to make an immediate impact. Derek? I, I really like to agree with you on that, but I have to go with the guy who's been in the system for two years in the graduate transfer, Trey Neal. I think he comes in and makes an immediate impact myself. And I, nothing against it, Will Honus. I think he will be a great player too. But I think when it comes down to it, I think Trey Neal is the one that comes in and becomes a big leader in this defense. Patrick, it's all about the dental hygiene too, right, Derek? With Trey Neal, yeah. <laughs> Tyler, first of all, frack you, and uh, I concur with everything you said. I think Will Honus is going to be a huge factor in the uh, defense. He's going to be the Padawan to uh, Luke Gifford in a lot of ways. Well, I, I, I don't know why you're upset. We agree. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you voiced it so much better than I did. Uh, all right, John, what's your defensive newcomer? I know we got Trey Neal. I know we got uh, Will Honus. And everyone else. And I really want, I just want it to be on the record that I would have said Muhammad Barry had Tyler not said Will Honus. I think that's a dogfight for that position. I think Muhammad Barry has earned his stripes and I think they split playing time pretty evenly. But I'm going to go with someone else. I'm going to go with Deontay Williams at safety. 
Um, I think he can do so much and has so much versatility where he can cover the nickelback, play safety, et cetera, um, that you're going to see a lot of him in the secondary along with uh, Reed, Neal, and Williams. So I, I, I'm just going to throw this out there because it's not on our schedule to talk about. I am incredibly impressed with how quickly this secondary has kind of reversed course from looking like the weakness of the defense to one of the strengths um, with the additions of uh, William. We've heard a lot about Cam Taylor, the, the quarterback mm-hmm. turned cornerback, uh, and Trey Neal, the transfer as well. So um, lots of good stuff. Will Honus, those guys, they're all in there. But for me, Deontay Williams, call my shot right now. Um, I think he has four or five picks this year and lays the wood. Oh, wow. All right, get ready for it. I'm going to continue my hype from the spring. So I think you guys might can. <laughs> John's laughing. I think he's going to guess it. I went with Jacob Winemaster. Jacob Winemaster will be the defensive newcomer on this team. He is going to light it up. Get he's got a great last name. I'll say that. <laughs> Justin, have you not listened After to the rules of this game? You can't he pick somebody on the roster. Play. He was on the yeah, roster yeah. last Cedric year. Miller, you have Will Honus. You have Mohamed Barry. You have Colin Miller all in front of Winemaster. Great kid. I love him. He's a walk-on. It's a fairy tale story. But we're talking about impact players this year on defense. Winemaster, I hope you prove me wrong, but I don't wait, think it's you. Wait for it. By game nine this year, you guys are going to be like, that Jacob Winemaster is tearing it up. <laughs> Where has he been all year long? He is truly master of the wine. This is starting to feel like the come down from the booth kind of conversation all over again. <laughs> Right. I will stick up for okay. I will stick up for Patrick in one thing, Tyler. Nobody ever wants to agree with you. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> How did no one take Breon Dixon, the only actual newcomer that's probably going to start? Uh, I, I just everyone skipped them. I, uh, it's a shocking. Let's talk about that. Can we talk about that? We don't have a time limit on the hundredth episode, right? No, I think you got He's going to pick up where he left off last season coming back from injury. I think he's got one of the outside linebacker spots. But, man, oh, man, there's some competition on the other side with Tyron Ferguson, Breon Dixon, and even Colin Miller a little bit The coaches have talked about this week. So I, I like Breon. I think you're going to see him more in a, in a role where he can shift to cover those, you know, in a 3-4 role where he can shift out and cover those, you know, tight ends and wide receivers really well. So I, I think he has a very specific place. Um, I just don't know that he's my 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 guy, my main man. I'm I love that Deontay Williams though. Tell you what, boys, John, can you see a lot of switching out with the linebacking crew, or do you think they're going to have a pretty much set um, linebacking uh, core? There's there's going to be a heavy rotation across the defense as a whole. Um, you're going to see, you know, Mick Soltenberg is going to obviously going to play a lot of snaps at nose tackle, but. Uh, you know, I'm privy to some information going to practices and having guys, you know, on that side. Uh, Damon Daniels is a great talent. He really came on in the month of like October, November. Um, they were smart to keep his red shirt on. So you're going to see rotation there. You're going to re- see rotation at the defensive end positions with uh, the Davis twins, Freedom Akamendola or Akinmola Dune. I'm sorry, Freedom. Mm-hmm. I heard today that they called him Freak Akinmola Dune. So we'll see. Uh, but good news from him. The linebackers, same thing. I think outside of Dedrick Young, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation between those guys. They're going to keep guys fresh. Um, they've talked about playing, you know, 100%, 100 miles per hour all the time. And I think that demands heavy rotation. So, yeah, 
I, I think you see a lot of rotation in there um, to keep those guys fresh because that's what you want in the fourth quarter. You want to be that fresh team um, and the one that can push the other team around. Yeah, you also want to have a lot of depth too. So okay, okay, let's get back on to these preseason awards. Okay, let, let's get this thing going. <laughs> right. Ty- Tyler's going to get in trouble from his fiance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, next category: offensive most improved. Derek, who is your most improved player on offense? I couldn't just pick one player. I went with the whole offensive line. I think the whole offensive line gets better. Uh. Just because they have a better coach, so what I, I guess if you're gonna really make me pick line. one, then I'll just pick uh, Brent, Brendan Hymas. But I, I, I think the whole offensive line is going to be the most improved at overall. I like that you picked fifty percent of the offense to be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick, who is your most improved player on offense? Not, I- not, not position group. I concur with uh, Derek, but I will leave. I will uh, reduce it down to an individual. Uh, however, he will be a key cog. I think uh, Gerald Foster. Uh, he'll he'll probably be a leader on that offensive offensive line. And where the running backs uh, go, um, go, the offensive line has to get them there. And Gerald Foster, I think, will be a verbal leader. I've seen a lot of uh, clips, uh, and he's. Really, really enthusiastic, really excited, really knows how to get everyone jacked and ready to go. Uh, the offensive line is going to need that, especially when Big Ten play starts and the physicality really, really comes out. John, who's yours? Man, this is a tough one. Um, there's so many people who can take a big step forward this year, specifically on offense. Um, I'm going to go with sophomore Matt Barniak. I think nice. he struggled at times last year with his like his uh, lateral movement to get out and block the speed rushers. I think under uh, the strength and condition coach, Zach Duvall, I think he takes a step forward this year. But Derek, I'm with you. I think the offensive line takes a step forward as a whole, just thanks to better coaching and better motivation. So Matt Barniak for me, boys. Wow. Uh, that's three of you put, pick people from the offensive line or the whole offensive line. Tyler, who did you go with? Well, first no of pressure, all, Tyler. Yeah, some of the cousins need to learn the rules of games better. Um, but I, I, more important, I did say Brendan Hymas. Okay, you got that. And, and at least he was on the roster last year. And like Justin, Justin's probably going to go with like some freshman, most improved. So, uh, but <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm going to stay with the offensive line. I'm going to go Tanner Farmer. I mean, the guy can squat a Volkswagen. I mean, this guy is he is put on a lot of strength. He is turned into Husker power. Um, I am really excited what he's going to do. And, and just kind of across the board, I mean, you see the four best opinions on the podcast of all set offensive line. That gives me a little bit of faith uh, going into the fall. All right. It's my turn. You guys ready for this? I, I can't believe I figured you guys would have picked this already. I'm going with Tyjon Lindsay here. I just think in this type of offense, it sets up well for him to have a big year. Last year was kind of like a little bit of a disappointment. Uh but I think this year, another year under his belt, he's bigger, he's faster. I think he could really uh, make the name for most improved. I think that's a good pick. So, so does that does that mean everyone's on the same page that we still think Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman are just going to be outrageously good this year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a reason why they're on the cover. I mean, a lot of publications have them on the cover in Nebraska, and the receiving core is probably going to be the biggest strength on the offense. All right. Uh, defensive most improved. Uh, 
Whose turn is it? Uh, Patrick, uh, it's your turn. All right. I've been rooting for this kid because I freaking love his name. It just screams like superstar, and this is the year to shine. So I'm going to go with Freedom Akinmolodun as the uh, most improved for defense. He really needs it, and he needs to generate a pass rush. We do not generate a pass rush, gentlemen. We will not win most games. He's got to do it. John? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to go with Ben Steely because he played so well as a freshman last year. He's got nowhere to go but up. The coaches have commented about how he doesn't seem like a sophomore. He seems like an upperclassman. And I've heard great things about his disruption in practice thus far. So, Ben Steely, you got my vote. And just if you're listening, DiCaprio Boodle, you were my second choice. <laughs> Thanks for stealing mine. <laughs> hey, Damn all right. Boy. Derek. I, I went with Dedrick Young. I think this kid has a lot of potential. I think Barrett Rude will get a lot, lot more consistency out of him. And I think the comments that Barrett Rude has made about him being the guy that he can put more on his plate than any of his other linebackers speaks volumes of him. And I think he is a smart player, and I think he will be more consistent. Tyler? I Almost went with Lamar Jackson. Um, I've been rooting for this kid. I, he had a lot of talent, but I couldn't quite get there because I had to go with Muhammad Barry. Um, I've been very high on this kid. Um, kind of going back off the Will Hona statement, I love our middle linebacker position. I love those three guys. Yes, three guys because I don't see Winemaster actually competing. Um, but ultimately, I think Muhammad Barry is going to take a step forward. Uh, potential All-American candidate this year. Oh, wow. Uh, actually, that is my pick. I had uh, Muhammad Barry also. Uh, you said it great. Uh, I didn't like your little jab at Winemaster, but uh, no, I, I like. <laughs> I do like the Muhammad Barry. I mean, the coaches are definitely high on this guy, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to see some great things. I'm confused. I thought you said earlier you were going to take my second choice of DiCaprio Boodle, and now I just feel like he's left out. <laughs> betrayal oh no for real I, I i thought i did think about that though john i did i mean i, I think this question's tough i think there's a lot of great guys that can contribute this year so kudos to you for throwing out a good question on this one um i i hope to see a lot of dudes contribute well what really complicates the thing is that the defense was just so poor last year so anything's really an improvement right <laughs> so there's a lot of guys that are in the running i mean nobody you know if you think, you know, hey, who tore it up the best last year? Who was our best defender? It's like, well, they all. <laughs> it's tough. So. Horn's oh, uh, punting was really good. Mm-hmm. So, right. That's a defensive stat, right? Punting? <laughs> all right. So, uh, next question Which freshman is most likely to play over four games this year? John, it's you. I'm, just, I'm so glad you called me to go first because everyone is going to pick. My guy, Cam Taylor. Hmm. Calling yeah, right now. I think I've heard great things about him in practice. He's obviously an athlete, very cerebral player as well. He played quarterback in high school. He's extra athletic, and he was created at the very top of the uh, defensive back chart here in the first week of fall camp. I think a lot of people are going to pick another guy. I'm going to let you say him, but, but I think Cam Taylor makes his presence felt in more than four games this year. Derek. 
My obvious answer probably should have been Adrian Martinez since I have him starting as quarterback. However, I I went with uh, Mo Bear, uh, Mo Washington. I, I I'm I've drank the Kool Aid. I'm buying in. He's he seems sounds like he's going to be great, and why go against him, right? Patrick, which freshman right. do you think? Uh, frack you part two to Derek. I have uh, Mo Washington as well. Um, the great thing about this kid is that he's only going to get better and better and better game to game to game uh, as you know, when he gets to real true playing weight until then, I just cannot wait to see how they use this kid I, and, and, and the uh, running backs in general. I think, I think we're really going to be strong in that area in the offense and he'll, he'll probably end up being the starter. I think at some point. I'm going to throw out the virtual vandal on this right now. I don't know if you guys can see this. You can't see it at home. But, uh, you know, I think this is a bad storyline that he's too small. Um, if you look back at UCF's offense last year, they don't rely on big, powerful guys. Um, they stretch the field. They find the open gaps, and they get small, shifty guys uh, to do the damage. With all the weapons out there, I think you're right. Maurice Washington will, will do some damage this season. But I don't think that his size this year is going to come into play when you factor that Greg Bell, Maurice Washington, Divino Zigbo, Mikhail Wilbon and Trey Bryant are all going to play snaps at running back. I just think that his size, normally, you know, if you're getting 20 to 30 carries a game, I'd agree with you. But I just don't see it under this new offense. I'll agree with you in the fact that I can't, I'm going to forget the guy's name and I apologize for this, but at, at UCF, they had a player that was 5 foot 10, 158 pounds running the ball. So if we got a guy that's 170, it's really not that big of an issue for this staff. As long as he can take the take the hits, he'll be okay. Can you see him like like being used in a flanker kind of a setup, like a Danny Woodhead or something to that effect? Yeah, uh, I, I'll just chime in here. I think that this offense is very similar to the Patriots offense. Screw all of you if you hate the Patriots. Too bad they're my team. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Russ Hookstein who is from Nebraska and played for the Patriots. Eh, no one's no. but. You know, they use their, their running backs in situational scenarios. So this offense, you know, it's not a north-south running offense. It's, you know, the inside zone, outside zone, um, a lot of misdirection, a lot of motion as well to go along with that. And I think that's very similar to how the, the Patriots use Burkhead uh, and everyone else. So I think you'll see that. I think you'll see elements of that. Obviously not the same thing because it's a little different, um, but you'll see a lot of those those healthy doses of uh, of of backs mixing up and doing what they do best individually. All right. For what it's worth, I picked Maurice Washington as well. Uh, Tyler, who's your pick? So, so Justin, can you repeat the question for a second? Which freshman is most likely to play over four games this year? So, so when I heard that question, I started thinking, okay, so I, I want to take injuries out of the question because there's going to be freshmen that are going to play. So I had to think of someone that I thought was going to be durable. So the guy that I went with, which is the obvious correct answer, is Barrett Pickering. He is going to oh, play every God. game. <laughs> going out on a limb, Tyler. I salute you, sir. Oh, God, I hate you. Tyler, Tyler, just talk about, talk about the bending the rules. Here you registered it. <laughs> oh, true. What? No, he didn't. He Son came on. Oh. Tyler, I want to he be came in, your in the spring. Did He's it? a true freshman. Okay, not bad. I thought he, I thought he redshirted already. We lost. All right, let's move on to offensive MVP now. 
Uh, Tyler, let's start with you. You know, I think this is a no-brainer, guys. Uh, Stanley Morgan. Um, he had over 900 yards receiving last year. I think he has a real shot to hit 1,000. Stanley Morgan. All right, John? You know, uh, Stanley Morgan's great, but you know who set a freshman wide receiver record in Nebraska? little mm-hmm. guy named J.D. Spielman. Uh, he's my pick. I think Stanley's great. He's going to do his thing. Uh, but I think this offense is really something that uh, can utilize J.D.'s skill set. Um, he's, what, 5'9", 190 pounds or so, and I think he thrives in this offense out of the slot. Patrick? I concur with Tyler. Uh, Stanley Morgan, he is going to ball out. This is his last year. He's going to make the most of it. Derek? All right, well, you guys all took my answer, so I'm just going to throw a different name out there. I'm going to go with Greg Bell. I think he'll bring a little dynamic to the uh, running back position that he'll be clo- probably the closest to a 1,000-yard rusher we've had since Amir Abdullah, and we'll, we'll, I'll put him out there. So so, so you, di- you did it. He wasn't your newcomer of the year, but yet he's your offensive MVP of the year. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Justin. All right, so well, I'm going to go with – Go ahead, Derek. The, the truth is I had Stanley Morgan, but why repeat each okay. other? So. All right, there you go. Well, I'm going to repeat the smart answer, and the smart answer is J.D. Spielman. You know, I've been saying it for a long time that uh, J.D. Spielman was our best receiver last year. You guys hated when I say, would say that, no. but I think this year he's going to prove it again, and he's going to be the offensive MVP. Okay, so. let's get this clear. I'm sorry, i got to clear this up. <laughs> Me and Derek did not hate the fact that you like J.D. Spielman. You hated Stanley Morgan. That is not uh, true. That's that not is, true at all. That's the most true statement ever. John, pull the tapes. John, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Derek, don't you have an archive? J- John <laughs> brought up on Slack many times. Why do you hate Stanley Morgan so much, Justin? All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Defensive. <laughs> all right, John. Who is your defensive MVP this year? Oh, man, that's such a tough question. I think there's so many standouts on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm going with Luke Gifford, guys. Uh, I thought he – it's his senior year. I think he's going to make an impact just because of that. But on top of that, he had a hell of a season as a junior. Cut a little bit short because of injury. But I think he comes back as strong as ever and uh, takes this one home. Patrick. I was going to go with Luke Gifford, too, um, John, but I decided to go with Dedrick Young. I think he's more of a playmaker. He's more of a difference maker than Luke Gifford. He's got that. I mean, at his best, he's probably going to have that uh, Terrell Farley, Levante David kind of impact. And uh, I cannot wait to see this linebacking core and Dedrick Young being a huge part of it. Derek. Well, Again, I had I had the same answer as John, so I can't have that. I can't agree with John ever. So I'm going to go with uh, Carlos Davis. What? Yes. I'm on Team Derek, and you can't agree with me? This is I'm over. I'm not supposed to. We're never supposed to agree. I, I think Carlos Davis will end up having a really good year. I think he'll get some pressure on the quarterback, and we'll, we'll – we'll, uh, of course, I've been high on the Davis twins since they got here. So, All right, Tyler. Well, since Derek decided to not go with his original answer, he stole my answer, and I was going to go with Carlos Davis. And and I agree, Derek. I'm not going to change my answer. I think Carlos Davis um, is a really good player. I think he's 
uh, in for a breakout season this year. Uh, he is another guy that looked like he put on some definite mass in the Husker power program. But I will give a second shout out to Aaron Williams. I think he will be a big factor in the secondary. I do like Aaron Williams to have a good season this year. So could it be that the defensive spring darling and my defensive most improved player win this award for defensive MVP? The answer is no. John's right again. It's Lucas <laughs> Burton. <laughs> oh, you did your boy wrong there, Justin. You did your boy wrong. I was just I, hoping I for the three-peat on Jacob Winemaster. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it would have been pretty sweet. <laughs> All right. So now that the uh, personnel, uh, those awards, we've distributed those. We've discussed those at length. Uh, let's get into the next round of uh, questions here. Uh and this is an easy one. Which game are you looking forward to most? Uh, Patrick. I'm really, really look, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Michigan the most because that's going to be the true, the first true test for Nebraska. It's in the big house. It's going to be packed. And honestly, boys, if we can get it down to where Michigan has to score, like in the last seconds, a touchdown, I will be more than satisfied because that's a lot more than I was expecting uh, before Scott Frost got hired. Derek. Akron. I'm ready to <laughs> just see any damn game. I, and look, Akron, we're going to get a little, a little taste of what's going to happen. Like, really? Look, we're going to see what the offense is going to do. We're going to see if the defense is worth a damn. I, I, I'm just excited for football to start. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick a real game, I'd probably go with Wisconsin, just because, uh, you know, the last three years with a with, in my opinion, a bad head coach, we held these guys and it could have beat them out of all three years. We could have beat these guys. Now that we got a good head coach, I'm excited to see what we can do against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler, I'm gonna go with Purdue. Um, I think Purdue's in for a better season than a lot of people think. Uh, it's homecoming in Lincoln, and I think this is probably a game that we have a shot to win. It's going to be competitive, and as of right now, this is the only game I'm going to see, so it's a little bit selfish in that decision right there. Uh, you have reasons, personal reasons. I can uh, I can live with that. John? <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm going to ask you to, to let me go last here, Justin, so why don't you go ahead and tell me yours, and I'll chime in with mine. The, the game that I'm looking forward to most is the Michigan game. And I just love the buildup for that's going to develop out of that game. You know, with Scott Frost and the 97, that whole storyline, it's just going to be so much fun. Plus, I, I really don't like Michigan. I really hate, hate them. And so I think this is going to be just a, a fun game, you know, to go in there with all that hate and that storyline. And so I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. John. So how dare you guys forget when the student section got ejected from the Colorado-Nebraska game um, for throwing frozen oranges or whatever else they throw in Colorado at people. I think the marquee matchup this year is going to be Colorado versus Nebraska. It's a Big 12 matchup. Colorado, a little bit of a fluff ball at 5-7 and last year, 2-7 and in the Pac-12. But boy, oh boy, did they have a good 2016 and you know they have a chance at this point to uh, to turn things around a little bit. So it's a big recruiting weekend for Nebraska. There's going to be a ton of recruits at the game. People are going to have nostalgia dripping out of their ears. 
um, from an old Big 12 foe. So Colorado, the Buffaloes, love you. Love to ski in your state, but don't come to Memorial Stadium because that's going to be the key matchup this year. I mean, I guess if you're looking forward to seeing like a barely bowl eligible team, I guess that that's a great pick. <laughs> we love you though, Colorado. It's cool. Yeah, the, nostal- the nostalgia factor is pretty huge for that game. I'll, I'll give it that, but there's no stakes. All right, John, we're starting off with you here. Best chance for an upset? You know, my buddy Tanner over at Wolverine Lounge, you're not going to listen to this, so it doesn't really matter. I think Michigan, I think they're overrated every year. No offense to Harbaugh. Um, I just, I, I think they're overstated. I think Michigan State, it's going to put them where they belong again, and I think Nebraska is going to pull a surprise upset um, because Michigan's just going to be overconfident, maybe climbing up a kid's tree or whatever the day before. So Michigan's my pick. So do we need to caveat this for Tyler, like establish the rules before he flips out what's considered an upset or not? I mean, are we cool just going with it? No, I, I feel good. I mean, as long as Justin doesn't go with Colorado. I mean, like I would be <laughs> fine as long as he doesn't say that's in the upset. Um so I, I will actually go next. So, um, you know, we actually next week we are working on getting a pretty special guest on to talk about some uh, projections for next season. But uh, one of the games that a lot of people have us as an underdog in is uh, Michigan State. And, and I think in Memorial Stadium, uh, that's a game we have a good shot for an upset. And if, if one fact that would support that is Mike Riley beat a top 10 Michigan state team in Memorial stadium. I think Scott Frost has a pretty good shot of doing the same. Good point. Good point. Tyler. Oh, I'm sorry. Not Tyler. Patrick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tyler Patrick up. Um, where am I at in the frack? Uh, <laughs> I, I lost count of the frack use, but um, I concur with Tyler. I think Michigan state is ripe for an upset. I love where it's placed. I love my dream scenario is that we incrementally get better and better week to week until we finally reach that one game where we hit that Hosanna moment, that, you know, come to Jesus moment, that Damascus moment, that, you know, James Brown, you know, finally getting through to John Belushi, the band, Elwood, the band, you know, the lights come on, everything makes sense. The team begins to believe they can beat anybody. And they don't just tell themselves they can beat anybody. It starts to become a belief because all I'm asking, guys, is for Nebraska to get a little respect. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's great, but it's going to happen in week four against Michigan. Hey, I'll I'll say you threw out a lot of metaphors or similes. I don't know the difference between the two, but I'm 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 certainly impressed. Derek. I mix my metaphors a lot. All right. You guys all missed the obvious answer. Northwestern. Akron? Northwestern. We always play well in Evanston. Northwestern's already being claimed to make a run for the West outside of, uh, besides Wisconsin. And I'm not convinced. We don't know if Clayton Thorson's going to be healthy. We don't know if Justin Jackson's going to be, or Justin Jackson's not going to be there. We do know that. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and chances are we're going to be we're going to be underdogs in that game, and yeah, I think that's the obvious answer. Northwestern is probably the so most Derek, overhyped team in in the Big Ten right now. John, I'll let Derek, you get him. I just Derek, I get him. <laughs> Derek, I just want to know: Are we going to sub in Ron Kellogg to throw a hail mary win against Northwestern? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, Adrian Martinez will take off on a 90-yard run to win the game. <laughs> Derek, I... Derek, I got to throw this out there. Your outlook on the season must be so pathetic where you think that our best chance for an upset is against lowly Northwestern, ultimately. I mean, that's are, are, are they going to be a top 25 team? I mean, I, I know you made your point, but I dozed off. Uh, I mean, but. he's looking forward to the game against Akron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Justin, are, are let we me stay on in that team Northwestern Derek. game? I, I don't know what we are now. I mean, but I after we upset Michigan, which is what my pick is. Uh, yeah, I, we're going to be favored. Uh, I, I I think that we can upset Michigan. I just I just think it just sets up well. I, I, I think after the first three games that we just roll through those opponents, I think by the time we get to Michigan, those guys on that team are going to run through a brick wall for Scott Frost, especially with all the buildup. They're going to hear a lot of smack talking from Michigan fans. There's going to be so much drama there, which is going to make it a lot of fun for all of us, but they're going to go out there and they're going to punch Jim Harbaugh right in the mouth and they're going to walk away with a win. Easy. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Did I lose you guys? All right. So final question, what is more likely to you in this season? Does Nebraska get nine plus wins or five wins or less? Derek, we're going to start with you. I have to go with the nine plus wins. I absolutely, in no circumstance, can I see us losing or winning only five games. I can't see it. Like we should, we should be three and zero. And so, in order to win five games, we have to go two and seven in the Big Ten. I don't see it happening. We got Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern. Uh, Iowa. I mean, we're going to win some of these games. I, I just I can't see us winning only five games. So I had to go with the other answer of nine plus wins because I think that would be more likely than five. All right, Patrick, how did you answer this? Uh, I was going to go with the five wins um, because, you know, I'm a Nebraska fan, so I'm used to the disappointment. But, you know, I really, I really got a sense of like, of, of what what we're capable of based off of, believe it or not, the scrimmage news. I thought we were going to lose some people. I, I thought people were going to be injured. But, you know, I'm not worried about catastrophes hitting this team because they've really internalized this belief of next man up and, like, they won't lose a step. And it's not just words. They actually believe it. So, I, you know what? If they get on a roll and if they buy in completely and they, com- and, and they commit themselves, I don't see... I don't see why Nebraska couldn't get nine wins. So just to be clear, your answer is nine wins? Nine wins. All right. Uh, John? Let me be very clear about something. I don't like this question. (laughs) (laughs) Nine wins or five losses? It's a low Um, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, You know, I thought Tanner Lee would, you know, take a step forward his senior year last year. We all know how that went out. And uh, so, I mean, here's the honest answer. UCF went 6-6 six and six their first year under Scott Frost and had an undefeated season. I think the difference between UCF and Nebraska is that Mike Riley, for all the, the faults that fans have with him, I think he left this roster in pretty good shape. You take the transfers, you take the, the, the impact freshmen that, that Frost has brought in, and I think you have a better recipe than, than what you had at UCF. I don't think it's an undefeated season recipe. 
I mean, my word, you got to go through Michigan State, who's got a stellar defense, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Ohio State, rip Urban Meyer. But my <laughs> point is, I, I, I really can't say, oh, five, you know, five losses is more common than, than nine wins. I think the nine wins is much more plausible um, than the five losses based on who they have and the system that they can operate out of. That all hinges on the quarterback position. You know, they need guys who can make a quick, rapid-fire decision. I think that's something they lacked this spring with all the quarterbacks on their roster. Um, Gebbia, Martinez, bunch included. No Vedral, no offense. Not being considered, so I'm leaving you out. Um, but I think the honest answer is that's, that's going to be the, the difference maker between five wins and nine wins, is can the quarterback execute this offense at a high level? You know, 60% passing efficiency um, is going to be tough. Nebraska has been stuck in the low to mid 50s the last decade. Um, and that's what it's going to take to get to that level. So I think it's nine wins. I think that's the most plausible. Um, but I think they only get seven or eight wins at this point. Right. That was the point of this. I think all of Husker Nation, all, everybody thinks that seven or eight wins is the most likely answer. So, you know, you get. You know the outliers are five and nine. That it makes it really tough. Uh, but so, you know, you, you pull off the upset at Michigan or, or Michigan State or Wisconsin or Iowa. I mean, there's sure. a lot of games at this point that I see as as a coin flip. Iowa being one of them. We haven't talked about it. It's not on the list to talk about. Um, but Iowa is really a toss up. You know, they have they lost a lot of playmakers from last year um, at at cornerback, running back. Um, you know, they've, they've got a couple of linemen that are suspended for the first game of the season. So they're going to be a tough out. Don't get me wrong, but there's more of these 50, 50 games than I've ever felt there were before. So nine wins or bust boys. All right, Tyler. Okay. So again, Justin, the way you, you preface this, the reason we ask this question is because I think that most Husker fans have it in the middle and, and I have a saying and it's not the most original saying, but those buildings in Vegas didn't get to be so tall for no reason. Vegas has their win total about six wins right now. I, I just think for us to outpace our win total by Vegas by three games with the schedule we have is less likely than us drop one more game than what Vegas thinks. Uh, I think that is probably the more likely scenario. And, and and before I get crushed, this has no indictment on what I think about this program and where it's going. I love what Frost is doing. I like this roster. I think the schedule is just very uh, daunting. At the end of the day, I think it is more reasonable for us to drop a game uh, more than what Vegas thinks than us getting three more wins. God, you are the I'm most- on hashtag Team Tyler right now. I just want everyone to know. Oh, most unpopular quest or answer ever. <laughs> Nobody likes you, John. Mariah. All right. So, so for me, I'm a homer. You know, as this as the season draws nearer and nearer, uh, I am on board with nine wins. Now, if you would have, if we would have asked this question on the show maybe three months ago. I probably would have said five wins, but oh my God, I tell you what, if we ask it like the week of the Akron, I would probably answer 10 wins. I mean, I'm just <laughs> that so amped for football right now. And the coaches aren't doing themselves any favors. You know, they're not tempering expectations. They're saying great things about everybody at every position. And so it's like, Hey, you know what? The, the big 10 West is ours, you know? So, 
All right. I think I think this would be a fun question to come back after the Akron game once we have a baseline of, of where this offense is going to be. Um, so hopefully you guys pull that back yeah. up. That would be a fun question. It's like, okay, we saw we saw how Nebraska played yeah. against lowly Akron. Okay, well, nine wins. Hmm, we might have to rethink that. Hold on, though. Like, Akron and Troy, those early season games for Nebraska, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think those are easy outs for Nebraska. Nebraska's on the ropes. This is a chance for a lower-tier team to come in, get a marquee win for their season against a coach who went undefeated last year. I think for these lower tier games that Frost is going to have like a bullseye on his back and that these teams are going to come out to play and they're going to come out to compete. So I think this is going to be a test for Nebraska to see if they can rise to that occasion and carry it uh, into the, uh, the, the important games. All right. So I just want to add to that real quick, John, you know, right now I think that line for the Akron game is like 23 and a half points. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if we win by 14, that's probably cause for alarm, perhaps. But I mean, that's a it's pretty it's a pretty big line there. Um, it's only a big line if you make it a big line, Mister Vegas. If I could interject here, do you think we'll cover the Akron uh, point spread? Right now, I say yes. I too like to live dangerously. Cool. Chicken my bourbon. All right, guys. This episode has gone long enough. Uh I think we're gonna have to call it quits. We can uh we can reconvene at a later time, but we need to wrap this up. This has been a perfectly great episode. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for stopping by. Uh you know, we got a special thanks out to Aaron Sorensen for stopping by. That was such a fun interview that we did with her. Uh so uh, thanks to you guys for being part of this 100th episode. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. You know, right. I obviously I'm a little biased here. Uh, you guys are the official podcast of Husker Hype, which I run. And uh, I just want to say thank you guys for all the work, all the long hours, all the nights that you put into this. And uh, Justin, I sure hope you recycle all the beer cans that you drink. So. Thank you very much for doing what you guys do. This is 100 episodes. I get feedback every week from people who finally start to tune in and love the show. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for doing what you do. It's not easy to do every single week for 100 weeks, and you guys have done it. So shout out to you guys. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. I know you've been a staple on the show for a long time as well. Um, And I look forward to having you on Husker Hype, man. Yes, sir. Can't wait. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Give us feedback. Maybe you like our show, maybe you don't, but let us know. And please share the episode. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and iTunes. On behalf of Derek and Tyler and Patrick and John, we want to thank everybody for listening tonight. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red. Thank <laughs> you.